Our scripture reading this morning comes from John 14, chapters 15 to 27. You can follow along on the screen, in your Bible, on your app, in the program. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I, too, will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Wendy. We're continuing today uh, in our series on the Apostles' Creed as we have been integrating that ancient creed into the fabric of our community, making it a regular part of who we are and how we worship and how we are taught the Christian faith from the youngest among us to the oldest, and we've been taking it line by line, phrase by phrase, and today we land on this statement, I believe in the Holy Spirit, and we're unpacking that through this text in John 14. So let's pray uh, before we uh, listen to this brief teaching, this brief word. Uh, Let's pray together. God, uh, even as we study the Holy Spirit, we ask for the Holy Spirit. Spirit, be present with us. Give us help. Uh, We might comprehend the words on a page, cognitively, intellectually, just on our own as human beings, but we can't process it spiritually. We can't bear fruit spiritually apart from the Spirit of God. And so please come and give us help and uh, do something in our hearts and in our community uh, through this passage. Um, Bless this time and, and do this for your glory, Father, Son, and Spirit. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I'm pretty sure I'm not mistaken when I say that nobody likes it. Nobody likes it when someone else takes credit for work that you did. It might be in the workplace, a project that you hammered away over time, and there they go again, a co-worker stealing credit, boasting as if that work were theirs. Or maybe it's the problem of plagiarism, uh, someone literally stealing 
your words or your design as if it were their own. Or maybe it's just in a more casual setting, a meal that you share as a group and someone sort of talking as if they were the main person slaving away in the kitchen when in fact it was actually you. No one likes it when someone takes credit for work that you did, and yet this is what we do with the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Godhead, the three-part God trinity in the Christian understanding of God. Now, of course, the amazing thing is that we do this in part because it's the Holy Spirit's very nature to defer. His work is to put a spotlight on Jesus, not upon himself. And yet the truth is, whether we recognize the Holy Spirit or we don't, we can't live without him. There are certain traditions and certain modes of Christian faith that contend on the one hand to believe that the Holy Spirit is everything. In fact, that he is all that there is. A belief that the Holy Spirit is all about hype and fireworks. Just a couple weeks ago, we enjoyed fireworks on Independence Day. You could almost be out and about and see and hear, I know, all night long, the fireworks across the neighborhoods, across our city. It's almost a picture of what some people believe the Holy Spirit's all about. Only a spiritual fireworks show and all the time. On the other hand, you have others or other traditions that almost seem to delete the Holy Spirit entirely from their memory. Literally, before stepping up here, our sister Wendy cracked this joke. Are we really talking about the Holy Spirit in a Presbyterian church, right, for all the reputation that Presbyterians can have of being, what, intellectual, non-emotional, absent of the Spirit, and so forth. The Bible does say the Holy Spirit does some amazing things, miracles in fact. There are fireworks in his bag of tricks and repertoire, so to speak. And there are ways that the Holy Spirit works quietly, even invisibly, to the point of being too easily dismissed. And yet it remains true, we can't live without the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, what I want to impress upon you through God's work is simply this, that God the Holy Spirit meets some of our most basic human needs. We need him. We're desperate for him and his work more than we know he meets some of our most basic needs. The Holy Spirit, in fact, is personally near to us when we feel lonely and alone. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we are afraid. The Holy Spirit guides us when we feel lost the Holy Spirit changes us when we feel most stuck. And the Holy Spirit gives us life when we are dead. Five things. And that's what we're going to look at in our time together. The Apostles' Creed talks about the Holy Spirit. We recited it earlier, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And this comes in the third section of the Apostles' Creed. As you may know, or as you may remember, as we pointed out, the Apostles' Creed is actually divided into three different sections. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And now thirdly, I believe in the Holy Spirit, which is followed by several phrases describing the work of the Holy Spirit in the present age 
and in the church. We're looking at John 14 to unpack this work of the Holy Spirit. It's a little discourse, a teaching of Jesus' as he's talking with his disciples. Right here, he's just told them that he's leaving. Physically, he's departing after he dies and rises again. He's going to go up into heaven physically and won't be with them any longer. And his disciples, understandably, are just terrified. But notice, Jesus doesn't say, well, don't worry, you're fine without me. He doesn't say, don't worry, you don't really need me. Instead, he says, don't worry, I'll still be with you, but through the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you always until I return. And it's in the midst of that teaching that Jesus gives us incredible promises of what the Holy Spirit does for us and even in us. Let's unpack this together. Five quick points and then we're done. Number one, the Holy Spirit is personally with us when we feel alone. And I want to immediately put out this question to you. When you feel most lonely, where do you turn? Is it to another person immediately? Now, that's not wrong. Relationships, friendships, human relationships are a gift that God has given to us. It's why we gather together in this setting and in other places for Christian fellowship. But is that the only place you turn? Is it the first place you turn? Is it something else? Maybe a vice or a habit. Maybe a distraction. Maybe something to numb the loneliness. What is it for you? We're told here in Jesus' words that the Holy Spirit, verse 16, will be with you forever. You'll never be alone. Even when every other human being, friend, or person leaves you alone or even betrays you. Because God the Spirit binds himself to you, is present with you, you will never be alone. He will be with you forever. And in fact, he will be more than just beside you. Here's the promise of the gospel. He will live within you. Verse 17, he lives with you and will be in you. And in verse 23, Jesus talks about making our home with those who love God. If you are in Christ, you have as your personal possession the personal presence of God through the Holy Spirit. The city can be a lonely place, can't it? Loneliness can beset us, even plague and drain us, kill us. Even when you live in the midst of friends, even when you're surrounded by people on your city blocks or in your workplace all the time, even when you live in a group house, you can feel like you live alone. Even when you're in a marriage, you can feel like you're all alone. You are not alone. God, the Holy Spirit, is with you, lives in you. Do you believe this? Can you receive his personal, intimate presence right here, right here, every moment of every day? And of course, to understand the gift and the blessing of this, it requires understanding also that the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force or an it, but a he. He's a person. 
And so what's promised to you is not mere spiritual presence in sort of like this abstract sort of ethereal fashion. It's the presence of a God. Verse 17, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him, so he's invisible, neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. Relationship. You know him. Verse 26 The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And there in the original language, there's the masculine personal pronoun. Literally, he will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. Which is why again and again, verse 16, 17, other places, the text reads, the world cannot accept him. It neither sees him nor knows him. The Holy Spirit is characterized by mystery. We don't always know what the Spirit of God is up to. The wind blows where it will blow. We cannot see him at work, though he is everywhere, as Psalm 139 promised us earlier in our call to worship. But he is not an impersonal force, nor is he artificial intelligence. Now, everyone's talking about AI. And what AI is, is actually an impersonal thing that's put out there almost with human skin. And we can almost treat God's spirit like AI, an it that we almost pretend is a he or a she. But no, the Holy Spirit is a true person, God's personal presence, someone that can be known and loved and listened to and talked to. And so I want to encourage you, even this coming week, can you weave in a consciousness of God's personal spirit more and more? Can you make sure that you are praying to him and listening to him and learning even to love him, drawing near to him? I'd encourage you as you pray to name him, O Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, or to pray to the entire Trinity and make sure to include him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We exalt you. We praise you. I love you. The Holy Spirit is personally with us when we feel alone. Number two, the Holy Spirit comforts us when we're afraid. I want to pose this question to you again. When you are most afraid, where do you normally turn? Who do you go to or what do you do to make yourself feel less afraid? What are the habits and patterns in your life in place already? Here's an invitation. When you're afraid, go to the Holy Spirit, because one of his important works in your life, in the church, and in this world is to provide comfort to those who are afraid. Verse 16 tells us this, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. Now that word behind the word translated advocate is the ancient Greek word paraclete. And that's a word we actually encountered a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Jesus' work as intercessor at the right hand of God, Jesus praying over us, Jesus offering us help and advocacy. That word paraclete, literally it means something like called to one side. So the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He, He is called to be by your side. Isn't that a wonderful picture? picture. The God who otherwise might seem far off 
has a specific part of him, the Holy Spirit, who is called to be near to you. Called to be one side. Now, that word can be used in a lot of different ways, and it is sometimes by your side can mean being called to plead another person's cause or case, kind of like a lawyer before a judge. And so that's why that word is often translated advocate. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. But sometimes that being beside someone also conveys the sense of someone who's here to help. And so that very word can also be translated helper. Well, specifically help what? In a time of need, in a time of fear. Sometimes that word is translated counselor or comforter. If you have Bibles with you, you might notice different translations rendering that word differently. Comforter. The Holy Spirit brings to you the ministry of comfort. Listen to what Romans chapter 8, verse 15 to 16 says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, because we all live with fear, fear of things from without and things, fears from within. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And what this tells us then is that the Holy Spirit is God's personal comfort to us. You are not alone. There is one who will protect you and guide you. That thing that's terrifying you right now, that oh no in your heart, that oh no, I might lose that or I might lose her or him, or an opportunity, or that closed door that seems to be looming in front of me, you have one that says, I am here with you to help you, to guide you, to be near to you. And most importantly, if you notice from that Romans verse I just read, what the Holy Spirit does is he bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He says, don't worry, don't forget, you are a child. He cries out in our own hearts, Abba, Father. In other words, he gives us a script and he gives us a voice to cry out, Father, just like a child was. He gives us the spirit of a kid. And in so doing, gives us the comfort that we need as we pray to the God of all comforts, as we reach out for help, and as God, more importantly, reaches down to give us the help and the comfort that we need. By the Holy Spirit. And this brings us to the third thing. That the Holy Spirit not only brings his personal presence to us, not only comforts us in the midst of our fears, but thirdly, the Holy Spirit guides us when we are lost. When we're lost, when we feel like we don't have answers. And again, I put before you this question, what's your normal go-to when it comes to I don't know what to do, where to go, or what next step to take. Where do you pull wisdom from? Is it, is it that one podcast that you're always going to? Is it that one friend? Is it just yourself? Is it actually denial and sort of making the questions go away by just distracting ourselves? Again, it's not wrong to turn to a friend. God works through those sources of wisdom too. It's not wrong to listen to a podcast. God blesses those things too. But do you know that your primary source of guidance, of instruction, especially when you feel most lost and directionless, 
is the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's role is to teach us, to guide us. In verse 17, Jesus calls him the spirit of what? Truth. He tells us the truth. And in verse 26, we're told that he will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, when Jesus said that, he's saying a couple of things. One, he's speaking specifically to the disciples and their upcoming role of writing out the holy scriptures that we now have as the Bible. In other words, Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit will help you in the work of inspiration. That is, co-authoring the scriptures of God. As 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21 says, that the authors of the Bible were carried along by the Holy Spirit, just like the prophets of the Old Testament were carried along. And so you're looking for guidance, and you're like, well, what do I do? What do I, where do I go? What, 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 what hope and wisdom do I need in this moment? Well, what has the Holy Spirit says, said? What is the Holy Spirit saying? Well, he's saying to you the words of the Bible. He's saying to you the promises of Scripture. He may not always be telling you the details of what you need to do. Do I turn right? Do I turn left? Do I say yes to this thing or do I say no? But he will give you confidence and assurance that he's always with you. That he's not going to let you make a wreck of your life. That he loves you like a child. Those deeper foundations of faith that we need in order to be able to make sound and wise decisions. The Holy Spirit not only gives inspiration in the writing of the scriptures, he also gives illumination, the shining of light, in understanding the scriptures. In the outset of our time right now, we just prayed for what? Illumination. Holy Spirit, please help us to understand your word. God needs to help us to understand his word. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does also work inwardly through groanings, impressions, ways in which he guides us. It's not the main thing that he's doing in guiding us, but it is something that he does. He prays with us, through us, and for us when we have no idea where to turn. We're told that in Romans chapter 8. The Holy Spirit groans when we don't know what to pray or how to pray as we ought. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. When was the last time you took that problem? That thing that you don't know what to do with. That question that you don't know the answer to. When was the last time you took it to God in prayer and said, Holy Spirit, please guide me and instruct me. When was the last time that you didn't turn first to your own intellectual capacities and faculties? Your own decision-making tree? Your own pro when was the last time the first thing that you did was turn to God in prayer? And said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. And what would it look like to cultivate that as a habit? Which again, doesn't mean setting aside your rational capacities. Doesn't mean not turning to others for support and wisdom from friends, mentors, good counselors. But it does mean, do we believe that at the end of the day, what we most need, God will give. What we most need the Holy Spirit. Fourthly, the Holy Spirit changes us when we feel stuck. One of the things that's interesting about this passage, if you noticed it, was 
in the midst of talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus immediately gets into knowing and understanding what the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth is teaching, but not just understanding it, but obeying it. There's this emphasis of obedience again and again. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands. Verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. If you love Jesus and you're growing in his love, you will obey his word more and more. And that too is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to follow Jesus. He changes us when we feel stuck. Do you have an area of your life? Maybe it's a pattern of sin or maybe it's just a habit that you can't change. That you're slowly coming to realize you don't have power to make yourself do that thing. You don't have power to love that person as you feel Christ is calling you to love them. You don't have power to forgive. You don't have power to persevere because you're so exhausted and tired. You don't have power because you're stuck. But guess what? You do have the Holy Spirit. He changes us when we feel stuck. John 16 couple chapters forward in this gospel, Jesus says this, when he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin. So the Holy Spirit's work is to make sure that we know where we've sinned. That's part of what he does, and that's one of the first steps sometimes of changing, at least when we're talking about moral change, spiritual change. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so if you're just struggling with some particular area of temptation, whether if it's in the way that you use your body or maybe it's in the ways that you use your mind or, or maybe it's the ways in which you're using your time, whatever way it might be, what's your way out? What's your way forward? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the flesh. Are you turning to the Holy Spirit and His work in order to overcome those places where you most feel stuck? And of course, in that same chapter of Galatians 5, we have that list of the fruit of the Spirit. That's these character qualities that Jesus gives us by the Spirit. How does Jesus change us and make us more like him? Well, what are the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, and, and so on. What's the source of these things? It's the Holy Spirit. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit remakes and remodels in your life. His chief job is to make us more like Jesus. So when you struggle with patience, where are you going to grow in patience? Is it just, mm, let me just uh, suck it up? Or do you say, Holy Spirit, oh, Holy Spirit, make me more patient. When you're struggling with self-control, is it just hang on tight? Or is it, Holy Spirit, you say self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, and so I'm looking to you because you're the, you're the roots, you're the tree, your grace is the juice, and I need that fruit. Give me some self-control. Or love, because I'm struggling to love. Give me that fruit, O Holy Spirit, and make me more like Jesus. Do you look to the Spirit in that way? He's the power that you need to change, and don't forget the Bible's promise, Ephesians. That what the Holy Spirit is, is not only God's personal presence, it's his nuclear presence, spiritually. Who is the Holy Spirit? 
He's the very same one who raised Jesus from the dead. And that very same power is made available to you by the Spirit of God who lives beyond you, next to you, if you're in Christ, within you. You can change. Friends, you can change because of the Holy Spirit. Which takes me to the last point here. The Holy Spirit is not only personally with us when we feel alone. The Holy Spirit comforts us when we're afraid. The Holy Spirit guides us when we are lost. The Holy Spirit changes us when we feel stuck. But more than all of that, the Holy Spirit gives us life when we are dead. Not just when we feel dead, when we actually are spiritually dead. The Holy Spirit is power for resurrection. Jesus alludes to this in verse 19. He says, because I live, you also will live. And already he's looking forward to that day when God will raise all dead things to life. When Jesus comes back, we're all going to experience a resurrection just like Jesus's if you are in Christ. That's physically true, bodily true, but that's also spiritually true even now. The Holy Spirit is the one that creates new spiritual life in souls that have been deadened by sin. It's what theologians call regeneration, the giving of new spiritual life. Titus chapter 3 talks about it this way referring to the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit raises your soul from the dead and gives you spiritual life. The Holy Spirit, in fact, takes all that Jesus did 2,000 years ago historically and applies it to you today spiritually. I mean, understand this. Jesus died for our sins and rose again to give renewal to the entire world. And yet without the Holy Spirit, that would be literally locked away in time 2,000 years ago in a small place on the other side of the world. It's the Holy Spirit that takes the work of Jesus, brings it around the world into every person's life, that applies it to you as you put your faith in Christ, that gives you all the benefits and gifts of salvation, that is what the Holy Spirit does. He is the one that makes Jesus' salvation real and personal to you. He is the one that actually gives you the gift of Christ because he binds you to the person of Christ in union with him. 1 Corinthians 6 puts it this way, you were washed, you are sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. How is it that Jesus' death spells the forgiveness of your sins? Because the Holy Spirit took your life and Jesus' life and brought you together as one. The Holy Spirit was the one that made Jesus' death your death. How is it that God can look upon you and declare you righteous, perfect in his sight, forgiven and loved? How is that? possible that justification by the spirit who took Jesus's work and the verdict laid upon Jesus and applies it to your life how are you sanctified seen upon as 
holy and being changed day by day to become more and more like Jesus, the power of which comes from Jesus himself, his death and resurrection. How is that possible in your personal life here today? It's by the power and the work of the Holy Spirit who now lives in you and is changing you and bringing to bear all the infinite merits of Jesus' atoning work and making it make you come alive by his grace. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the work of the Holy Spirit. We would be dead without him. We would be lost without him. We would be consumed by fear without him. We would be directionless without him. We would be lost in loneliness without him. We would be forever stuck in our sins and our habits without him. We would be dead without him. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. And so then you can begin to see, and again, just a taste here this morning, how important it is, how central it is to Christian faith and life to begin to confess, I believe in the Holy Spirit. When you're afraid this week, would you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit? When you feel lonely, would you say and believe, I believe in the Holy Spirit? When you feel stuck and you can't change, would you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. When you feel deadness dwelling within you, can you say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this week and forevermore, believe in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. We thank you for the Spirit of God. We thank you for his life, his work in our midst. Give us more of the Spirit and help us to live more and more in line with the work of the Spirit walking with him. Oh, Jesus, give us faith, give us grace. Thank you, thank you most of all for all that you promised to be for us, Spirit of God, guiding us, changing us, giving us life, being personally, intimately with us, giving us comfort and help in our time of need. Come near to us as we come near to you. In Christ's name we pray, and to the glory of God's Spirit. Amen. want to invite you to the communion table, which is itself a gift of God's Spirit. Why? This is just bread. (laughs) This is just wine and juice. Like it really is. This isn't magic. But guess what? Jesus has told us that somehow, by a mystery of God's grace, the Holy Spirit will come when we come to Him by faith. And the Spirit of God will bring more of Jesus' presence into your life right here and right now if you receive this table by faith. That the Holy Spirit will actually come and do something in your hearts to refresh your faith and remind you, Jesus died for you. Jesus rose again for you. Jesus loves you. You're not an orphan. You're not alone. He's with you. All these promises that we just rehearsed, he'll protect you. He'll change you. He's given you grace. He's given you life. All these promises, the Holy Spirit comes and reminds us that they are true. Without the Spirit of God, this is just bread. (laughs) Without the Spirit of God, this is just a sip of juice, wine. But because we believe in the Holy Spirit, Something might radically change in your soul even now. But because we believe in the Spirit and the Spirit of God is here, 
at this table, anything can happen. Let's pray that that would be so. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that you are here. And we believe that your passion, Spirit of God, is to press more of Jesus into our lives. And so please do that right now. Thank you so much for this table, for giving us this bread and wine and juice. Use it, please, to make our spirits to come alive with spiritual food and spiritual drink. Remind us of the forgiving love of Christ. Remind us that we're not alone through this table. Remind us that you have given us resurrection power to change. Remind us that we're loved as children of God. So do all these things, O Spirit of God, as you promised you would if we would just dare to come with humble hearts and hearts of faith, believing in Christ. So come and do your work, we pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, just a little bit later after the passage we read, he broke bread with his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after supper, he poured out the cup saying to them, this is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of all your sins. Drink of it, all of you. I want to invite you to come forward to this table. If you're in the front half of the sanctuary, you can just come and line up. If you're in the back half, go to the table that's closest to you. We have one on the left and on the right. If you're upstairs, we have a table for you as well. But I really do invite you to come aware of maybe one particular need that you have. Is it that need of fear? Is it that need of comfort? Is it the loneliness? Is it the struggle with sin and temptation? That stuckness that you have within you? Is it that area of brokenness, a relationship, a need, whatever it might be? Come very aware of your neediness so that God can come and overwhelm you with his generous love. And as you do so, tell yourself, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is here. And let him feed you and strengthen you and help you to believe that you're loved and that the gospel is true. So come forward taste and see that the Lord is good and receive this generous gift from your God.
If you haven't done so already, go ahead and take the elements at this time. The body of Christ broken and shed for uh, broken for you. The blood of Christ shed for you. Christ died for you. Christ rose again for you. And Christ is coming again for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this reassurance. Thank you for this strength. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing your work once again, a mysterious, unseen work through this of helping us to believe and to live by the gospel. And help us to do that now, to live by faith, to love and walk by faith. Take this table now and give us power for whatever challenges in life we face. But we thank you for being present here. We need you in Christ's name.